Good morning. Good morning. My name is Margarita. Um, today our scripture reading is coming from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. We're reading from the Common English um, Bible version. Uh, hello to everyone online. If only he would tear open the heavens and come down. Mountains would quake before you like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence. When you accomplished wonders beyond all our expectations, when you came down, mountains quaked before you. From ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You look after those who gladly do right. They will praise you for your ways. But you were angry when we sinned. You hid yourself when we did wrong. We have all become like the unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a menstrual rag. All of us wither like a leaf. Our sins, like the wind, carry us away. No one calls on your name. No one bothers to hold on to you. For you have hidden yourself from us and have handed us over to our sin. But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Don't rage so fiercely, Lord. Don't hold our sins against us forever. But gaze now on your people, all of us. The word of the Lord. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Amen, amen. So we're taking a break um, in this Advent season from our series in Mark, um, but we'll get back to that later in the new year. Um, and we're following the lectionary as we uh, tend to do on our major kind of church calendar holidays like Advent and Lent. Um, so this is a, one of the lectionary texts. Um, but uh, if you can hit that slide, the slide, I want us to reflect on a few questions. Take a quick survey of your life. For what have you been praying for lately? What has been your greatest longing? And how long have you been longing for this? So just take a, a minute or two to reflect on that. God, thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you for hope that in you we have hope. And 
even though we may be in a season where uh, we're in a rush or it's winter and things are difficult, um, our souls are weary, uh, wherever we're at, um, you are constant, your character is good, and we continue to reach to you and cling for you. Help us to hold on. In Jesus' name, amen. So our poem today uh, is a prayer of lament. Uh, it's a raw and impassioned plea uh, for God to draw near. Do you remember us? Do you remember me? Do you remember your covenant? Do you remember who you are with us, who you are to us? And uh, the, the prophet is feeling that desperation, is feeling the longing and the desire. And perhaps this is a long-suffering desire, a long-suffering longing. Has anyone been in that place? Maybe you reflected on this before. Uh, where you've prayed for something, or you've longed or desired for something for a long time, and have wondered, is God really listening? Is God really here? Is God really with me? Do you remember me? Do you care about me? Do you hear me? And sometimes it doesn't feel like anything is there out there at all in the cosmos, except for silence, 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 silence. Um, but I, our, our passage uh, today um, in Isaiah 64 comes uh, within a section in Isaiah. Isaiah is divided into three uh, sections, and maybe you can hit that slide there. Um, Proto-Isaiah, Deutero-Isaiah, and Trito-Isaiah, or third Isaiah, first, second, or third Isaiah. And so third Isaiah would be in chapters 55 through 66. And what kind of that time period in which this writing is being done is post-Babylonian exile. So that would be 538 where uh, the Persians defeat the Babylonians and then they're bringing back the people who have been exiled in Babylon back to uh, Jerusalem. And so people are starting to trickle back uh, into Jerusalem and are thinking about restoring Jerusalem, restoring the temple, re renewing um, the, the ways, the glory from before. Um, and second Isaiah, before this, kind of leans towards a more hopeful stance, like we are being restored, we are coming out of exile, we are going to return, and God will restore us uh, as the people we were before. And the temple will be renewed. And the temple will be restored. But third Isaiah is kind of that uh, the period after that. As post-exiles people are coming back. They're coming into conflict with the realities of what's really there in Jerusalem. The, the hardships of the blockages of that restoration. Of that renewal. And... There were people who stayed in Jerusalem, right? As people are coming back, there were people who stayed. And so as people are coming back, there's conflict. There's conflict with those who had stayed and those who are coming in. And there's kind of political conflict, conflict among families. How will we rebuild? Who is in control? Who has power? And it's much unlike 
it's much like any type of people who are kind of under um, colonization, right? There are people, you know, who are under, they're still under the power of the Persians, um, and yet they're trying to restore this, but they're, you know, the group that have stayed and the group that are coming in, and so there's this conflict. Who's reviving for control? What does it mean to be the people of God? What is our identity? And there's confusion about that identity. And as the prophet is using the we language, right, saying us to all of us, there's still back, you know, this toggling of confusion. On one side, there's a remembrance of what God has done. There's a, a pleading to God who's, who's saved them, who's, who's restored them, who's taken care of them in the past, and yet a recognition, a guilt of, oh, but I fe we feel far from God because, because of our sin, because we've broken covenant. And then again, a turning back to, hey, God, will you save us? Will you come to us? Are you with me, church? <laughs> All right. So next slide. I think it is a bunch of slides of... So as I'm talking about tantrums, can you just go through all the kids having tantrums? Um, so this identity confusion, right? It's not unlike the Exodus, right? The people coming out of Exodus, right? There's this, uh, there's this conflict among the colonized. They've left, it's like the people who left Egypt, but in the wilderness, they suffer, they run into a speed bump, and they're like, God! Why did you take us out of Egypt only to, ah, and this is what they're experiencing. We're coming out of exile and we're returning home only to be, ah, it's better back in Babylon, right? We should have we never left. And so this confusion of identity, and as I was reflecting on this passage, I thought about how I miss being a father, a parent to younger children, right? Toddler age, baby age, because I, I, I quite, like I look back on those days when your toddler would just throw a temper tantrum in the middle of a grocery store and just drop to the ground, right? And I miss those days finally, not really, but uh, just throwing tantrums and, the blood rushing to my face, just hot, getting embarrassed, you know, as, you know, this, this kid is just going crazy at my feet because I said no or because they want something and we said no and they're throwing this tantrum um, and trying to figure out how can I just stop this crying? How can I get out of this situation? And, you know, I remember back in the day, I think we went to these parenting classes called do, uh, Raising Kids God's Way or whatever, like give this child an option and a choice and like follow through with that option and choice. But when the heat is on and they're screaming, there's no like, you know, there's no rationalizing with the kid, right? There's no logic. It's just like, I'm going Korean style here. I'm going to grab this kid's arm and I'm going to drag them kicking and screaming. Or like my parents did, you know, just leave them, right? We're leaving you. And they just leave me for hours. I right? just, that'll stop you. Um, but anyways, the kid <laughs> jumping up and down, 
dropping to the ground, rolling around, grabbing your legs, stop, drop, and roll, right? Pounding fists, inconsolable. Um, but sometimes I relate to the toddler, right? That's throwing the tantrum. I feel that way sometimes, right? Even though I'm a grown-up adult, I feel like I want to throw tantrums inside, even though my face is like blank, right? There are whole seasons in my life that I want to jump up and down, that I want to, I want that, and I can't have it. God, what are you doing? You ever seen a pastor throw a tantrum up at the pulpit? Ah! I want that. And it's not happening. Have you felt that way before? Right? I just think about uh, what I call nursery empathy. Have you been to your kids, if you've had younger kids, to nursery, and one child starts to cry because suddenly from their blocks they're playing, and suddenly they realize, Where's mommy and daddy? Or something happens and they're like, ah, crying, crying. And then another kid hears them crying and there's this empathetic feeling like, they're crying. Now I remember that my mommy and daddy are gone, so I'm going to start crying. And this kid starts crying. And then it soon it becomes a chorus until the whole room is crying. Crying, crying, because we feel in general like it's, like it's on call, right? The sadness and the mourning is on call within their hearts. So it only takes, you know, an empathetic trigger before all the kids are crying. We can relate to this. I can relate to this nursery empathy, crying in harmony. I want to cry because other parents in war-torn lands are crying for their children. I want to cry for those who go unheard and pushed aside by the dominant narrative. For those suffering from chronic illness and pain. For those that are tired all the time, weary, not finding joy or fulfillment at our jobs. I want to scream and shriek because everything seems to be pulling apart at the center, and the center will not hold. I want to cry because I'm aging, right? And I haven't achieved all my goals. I'm aging, and I, was, I played in an ultimate tournament uh, yesterday, all day, and I could not keep up, and my knee hurts, and I woke up, and I couldn't lift my arms again, and I have this bruise because I tried to lay out, and now my shoulder's jacked up. I can't die for this anymore. It's just, there's no recovering from that. And that makes me lament, right? I want to scream and shriek. Are there times in your life where you only see red, where life, family, the world of chaos and sin gets so frustrating, right? And everything you, every effort you put in, every plan you make just seems to not work out or people aren't responding. 
right? Why won't they respond to my emails? I never feel that, right? <laughs> I don't feel that. I'm just joking. That's not, don't respond to my emails. Um, but do you feel me? Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Have you ever experienced the silence of God? Has it been quite a while since you felt that first love, right? the intimacy with Jesus? When will God answer my prayers? Or do you remember falling in love with Jesus or when your faith was so hot, right? But then church got in the way and Christians got in the way and bad leaders got in the way and it just kind of tore that apart. Have you felt that before? And so in verse 1, when the prophet says, If only you would tear open the heavens and come down, mountains would quake before you. If only you would rend heavens in other translations, right? Tear open the skies and come down. The prophet is pleading on behalf of the people, God, listen, hear, come down, please. God, be with us. Come to us in your great power. Right? The power that exacts real change, where real transformation happens, where bad is ushered out, and good things happen, and things are built up, and people are living in peace and my family is loving one another. Will you just come down and do something? Rip open the heavens. Come make things lit in this place. Right? God is so lit that when he comes, it says, right, the, the brushwood is ignited and the oceans boil. Right? God is powerful enough that when he comes, the mountains quake and nations right, tremble with his presence. And this is what the prophet is calling upon, right? Real power, real change. We need you now. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And this is the incarnation of Christ, right? This is what we are waiting for. Christ, come, Jesus, come. Rip open the heavens and come down and be with your people, God with us, Emmanuel. Amen. Um, I'm longing for more of God's presence. Are you? I'm longing for the incarnation, right? To be more tangible in our midst. Are you? This is the longing of Advent. When will God with us? Advent is a time that we wait for Jesus to come and turn our worlds upside down for the better. We wait actively to be shaped, trusting that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, amen? So what does it mean to wait, right? What does it mean to wait in the Advent way, right? As we wait, 
how do we pass the time? And uh, a few years ago during Advent, we came up, I don't know if I came up with it, but I'll just say I did. Came up with Advent, Adventionality, right? It's Advent plus intentionality. And you put those together, it's Adventionality, right? And it's, it kind of points to an act of hope, an act of waiting. As we've lit the candle of hope, what does hope mean, right? And it's quite, you know, in prayer time, we're talking about this in Sunday morning prayer. Like, it's funny how, you know, every year we light the candle of hope. Does that mean the only time we're focused on hope is on the first Sunday of Advent? Like, how do we not feel like that's forced? Or how do we, like, it's this artificial kind of, now it's time to hope, right? And I think Lorraine said a couple weeks ago, right, it's we uh, we live in the now and not yet, right? We know Jesus has already come, right? Historically, Jesus has come, Jesus was born, so why are we waiting for the birth of this baby when the baby's already grown up, right? Why are we waiting? But we're waiting. We know Jesus has come, but Jesus is coming again. And every season of our life, we live into the, uh, the rhythms and the cycles of Waiting, come Lord Jesus, and living into the hope that Jesus will come and bring new life to us. Are you with me, church? And the world doesn't quite wait in that way. Amen? Right? This is a fast, rapid time. Right? From Thanksgiving um, to Black Friday to Cyber Monday, right? To the holidays to Christmas. It's very consumer-driven. It's very bright lights. It's very bye-bye-bye. It's very, oh, we've got to get things ready for the family. We've got to do this and this. It's very like, ah, 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 ah. And it's so easy to get caught up in that and forget the one that we're waiting for. Amen? And we're called to wait actively. Right? Hope means um, hope means that we are looking forward. We long for something in the future, but also there's an element of it hurts, right? Like our hearts are in it. There's an element of we got to wait patiently, and that patience is driving me nuts, right? There's an element of leaning into, man, there are so many times that I feel like I need to bail out, right? I just need a little comfort. It's like when I go work out at CrossFit. I just want to bail out and rest, right? But pushing forward and pushing forward because we know the Christian hope is that we cling to something that is far better than anything else that we can cling to. Are you with me, church? Amen. <laughs> and fingerprint. So what does it mean to wait in the Advent wait? Uh, and then next slide, what is the alternative to this active waiting? Not, this, not a passive waiting, but we wait actively. Um, the alternative, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 7, we have all become like the unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a minstrel rag. All of us wither like a leaf. 
Our sins, like the wind, carry us away. No one calls on your name. No one bothers to hold on to you, for you have hidden yourself from us, and you have handed us over to our sin. When our hearts are sick, or we are in crisis, where, when we are in soul tantrum, we tend to go on tilt, right? We, bec- we tend to become a little more desperate, and we start to wait badly, right? We, we begin to reach badly. We begin to move outside of what we would, we should do because we feel insecure or, you know, we're not sure. And so I grab, I grab for that security. Uh, we grab for security and fleeting things. And that's why the prophet says, all of us wither like a leaf, like the wind carry. Uh, our sins like the wind carries away. And no one, what? Bothers to hold on to you, right? They're holding on to other things. And as we hold on to other things, it's flighty, right? Our hearts become fickle because we're like dried leaves uh, skittering along, skidding along sidewalks, right? Just movable and flighty and fickle. No one calls on your name. And this is, you know, it's a contrast to the beginning, right? Tear open the heavens, right? This God is solid. God is strong, right? God makes mountains quake. Right? Can you imagine, like, I can rub my hands like this, and you don't feel the friction. You may hear a little bit of the friction, but when plates, right, plate tectonics, when plates move, There's whole destructive earthquakes that take take out buildings or whole mountain ranges are formed when one plate goes over another or one pushes up on the other, right? How immense is that force? How immense is that power? How immense is that friction? And that's the power of God. And yet we don't hang on to God in our insecurity. We hang on to leaves flitting along, right? When our hearts are sick, we stop laying a hold of creator and turn to grasping at straws. Our heart and its impatience grows fickle and we become increasingly untethered and ungrounded. Our character and spirit take on the constancy of shriveled leaves blowing about skittishly on the sidewalk. Skittishly, that was the word I was looking for. But how then shall we be saved? How then shall we be saved? From ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You look after those who gladly do right, they will praise you for your ways. But you were angry when we sinned and you hid yourself when we did wrong, right? God acts on behalf of those who wait for him, wait for God, right? You look, God looks after those 
who gladly do right. Gladly do right. And they and those that praise, right? Praise you for your ways. Other I don't know if your translation says remember his ways. Right? Praise or remember. I mean, when we praise God, when we worship God, aren't we in fact remembering what God has done for us? You know, proclaiming the good deeds of God. And so when we're waiting and things are difficult and it doesn't seem like we're in the middle of chaos, we're in the middle of the ocean, we're at wit's end, um, what do we do in that waiting? In that waiting is just as God has a consistent character, right? We trust that God will deliver and we continue to act, right? Act act justly, act righteously, do righteous and just things as if we lived in, those, in a galaxy where God is sovereign and powerful, which we do, amen? It's like when Jesus, you know, the parable of the bride's, what is it, the bridesmaids, right? You know, some were preparing, right, waiting in the night, some were like, ah, whatever, whatever, and the, and the bride's groom came, right, and some, had the oil all prepared. Others didn't have the oil, and they're like, hey, give us some oil, give us some oil. No, this is, we don't have any for you, right? It's, we, as people of God, we continue to live in preparation, right? We continue to be formed and continue to live in love and, and justice and mercy, and live humbly in anticipation of Jesus coming, right? We continue to, even though we don't get praise, even though we don't get credit, right? Every time, 5.30, when Janice is coming home from work, I can see the headlights. And so when I see the headlights, I jump up from my computer and I start washing brushes, right? <laughs> Why? Because I'm like, Hey, honey, I'm Cinderella. I've been working. <laughs> I've been washing dishes all day because I want credit. I want her to say, oh, thank you, honey, for doing the dishes, right? And she never praises me. She's like, that's default, man. You should, right? I don't care. Like, you want credit for that? <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, but we gladly do right. We continue to live in, live into the hope. Hope is not just, I wish for something in the future. I'm wishing for it. It's we're actively living into the future that can be in the character of who we ought to be in that future. Amen? That's active hope. We wait for God. We gladly do right, even when there's no credit, right? No lights, no crowd, no one on the sidewalks clapping for us. And then we praise and remember his ways. That's why we come to church and worship and gather together. That's why we light these candles, right? That's why we talk about Advent. We're reenacting. We're, it's our ritual of worship to reenact the great story of God, to remember what God has done for us. And this is what um, I, you know, the, the prophet is doing, is remembering Yes, at one time, I remember that you delivered us. I remember that you saved us. I remember that you healed me. I remember that you answered my prayers, our prayers. And so we do that to remember. It's not just this rote, you know, because 
the church is making me sing and raise my hands and sing these words, right? It's we're, we're, re, we're acting into and remembering who God is and remembering his ways. Amen? There's meaning in that. And so as we wait, we continue to remember, and that sustains us. That, that changes our heart posture from despair, right, and hopelessness into the circumstance might not, and that's another thing, hope isn't dependent on a change of circumstance, right? The circumstances might not change, but our hearts can change, right? Our posture can change because it's a gift. One, God changes our hearts. God changes who we, um, how, what's going on um, in our souls. Um, but it's not contingent on our circumstances or external factors. It's something that's happening inside as we remember God, as we gladly do right, and we wait for God. This is the Christian hope that we wait. We are waiting on the coming Christ, and Christ has already come, and we get a foretaste. We get like, you know, you know, like when you go to Baskin Robbins, we get like samples, those free sample spoons, right? Sometimes we get samples of the kingdom of heaven here and there as we, as we see in the eyes of our neighbors. We see miracles happen. We, we're forgiven. We forgive each other. We experience grace that is unhuman, inhuman. And we get a foretaste of that. And finally, um, eight and nine. But now, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Don't rage so fiercely, Lord. Don't hold our sins against us forever, but gaze now on your people, all of us. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are the clay, you are the potter. We need to wait and be shaped, right? Wait and be shaped. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's, he's working in there. And maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe like the growth rate, it's kind of like when I was, you know, growing up as a kid and I wanted to, everyone was growing taller than me, right? And I was, you know, every day I would like mark the line myself of my growth rate and it'd just be the same, be the same. It's like, there's no growth rate, right? And sometimes we experience that. There's no change. I'm actually going backwards, right? I'm go I feel like I'm going backwards. But God is working. You are the clay. We are the clay. He's the potter. And he's at work. He's at work. And I need a reminder of that. <laughs> Amen. Right? Sometimes I'm like, I give up. Actually, every winter, you know, I could trace back all my journals. Like, I struggle in the winter. I, 
I doubt my call. I'm like, should I go on or, you know, or, you know, all the way to the back. Should I leave college? Should I, you know, leave this? Should I stop this? I don't know. I'm lost. I'm confused. And this is, right, what's in this song we're reading. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And yet God is shaping and shaping us. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for your great power to move us, um, to save us, to deliver us. And when we don't feel um, that you're there, um, give us the strength and the power to wait and wait well and Help us to worship together corporately and be encouraged by one another as we remember your ways, your great love for us, and wait uh, in hope that you will come and mold us and shape us. In Jesus' name, amen.